Scripture reading for our meditation today is taken from the Gospel of St. Matthew, the fourth chapter, beginning with the first verse. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterward he was hungry. Now when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him up into the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, It is written again, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Again the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. These are your words, Heavenly Father. They are your truth. We pray that you would increase our faith through them. Amen. When a friend of mine was a young pastor, he was serving a church up in northern Minnesota and came in one day for, um, uh, to prepare the, for, the, for the worship service that morning. And he noticed that something was wrong up on the altar. And as he got closer to the altar, he saw a number of things that, that somebody had done that seemed to be uh, a lot of markings and things that would have been done by someone in the occult, maybe with devil worship. Uh, the police were called and they came and looked at the situation. And apparently there was a local high school group of students that were starting to get into the occult and had gone into the sanctuary probably the night before and done some things uh, to the church. Sometimes we think of the devil as, uh, it's easy in our culture to think of it as kind of like something like mermaids or kind of fairy tales and fantasy stories and mythology. But if the devil can convince us that he doesn't exist, then he's already won the war. Uh, that's, that's why our nation tries to develop stealth bombers. If you can be convinced we're not even there, that's when we can do the greatest damage. The text before us shows something about the timing of the devil. And notice that Jesus is baptized and immediately upon that goes off to be attacked. And that's actually a mirror of us too, okay? Soon as you and I were baptized into Christ, the devil immediately wanted to regain us and to take us back. As soon as God, through that precious water and his word, made you his child, as soon as he clothed you with the righteousness of Christ, so you are now a holy saint that gets to go to heaven, as soon as he forgave you your sins in baptism, all the blessings that come to you with that, the gift of faith that holds on to Christ, but as soon as that happens, that immediately marks us to be on the other side of the devil. It's interesting that in the order of service for baptisms, we often have the statement that someone renounces the devil in all his wicked works and ways. And that's what we do when we come to faith in Christ. And he now is going to fight to get us back as hard and fast as he can. He must reclaim you, is his thinking. So we notice in, our, in the text before us that the devil is very bold. 
Just think of it. He goes after the Son of God himself, the very one who created him as a being. He goes after him in order to try to deter him from the great work of going to the cross and rising again to, to save all of us. But just think of the audacity of this. And so if he's willing to attack the Son of God, uh, certainly understand he's going to waste no efforts on us too. And he likes to approach us like a friend. In the, even in the temptations he gives to Christ here, that he always appears to have something beneficial in the temptation. That's, that's usually what he does with, with me too. He always seems to have something that, that appears to benefit me that's going to be better for me, just like he did with Adam and Eve. And this is the great lie. That's why he's called the father of lies. And he also attacks people at the point of weakness of their flesh. And boy, is that true for me. But he likes to find the, the, the things in us or he likes to find the timing in our life when we are at points of weakness. Notice Jesus had been fasting for 40 days in the wilderness. I remember years ago I had an elderly retired pastor came to me, a man who had taught people the things of God his whole life. And he was now probably in his 80s and he came to talk to me and he was so troubled by his sins. And he said, it's like the devil's just been assaulting me. And he had been having health problems and getting closer to death. He was at a point of real weakness, both in his body and maybe somewhat a little bit in his mind. And the devil just loves to try to come and attack us in those, in those moments. Think about maybe yourself. Maybe it's something that happened when uh, a relationship fell apart. Or maybe some problems in your family. Or maybe some problems with friends and things. Maybe when we lose a loved one. Those are the times when we're maybe at our weakest, when the devil loves to try to get, get his foot in the door against us. And notice in our text how well he knows his Bible. The devil's a fantastic theologian. He knows how to take Scripture and twist it, use it a little bit out of context in order to try to even deceive here the Son of God, the very one who wrote Scripture, and he's trying to quote it against him to get him away from doing his work. Another thing that we, that we know from Scripture about the devil and uh, how he loves to attempt us in our sinful human flesh is that he studies us. Uh, they, they claim that, that any time the United States goes to war that they select a general who has studied a particular foe or enemy uh, during his time in the academy. Uh, they actually study different types of war and the way different leaders throughout the world uh, attack war in other countries and the, the, the things that they typically do, just like a coach does in sports, right? You pick out the best athlete, you pick out how they, you try to study the tape of their, of their, uh, their offense and things, okay? You try to find their weakness. The devil does that with you and me. He loves to, to study us and to figure out where are the places where we are the most vulnerable. How can he come after us? And that's true not just when you're young. Trust me, that's true for every stage of life as you get older. But it's important for us to remember through all of this that who Christ is. He's not on some equal plane with the devil. He's far greater than him. The devil is just a fallen angel. Christ is the Son of God. He is Lord of Lord, God of all. And think about how little it has taken for Christ to really defeat the work of the devil. He came into the world as a little baby in a manger in Bethlehem. 
He can just take a tiny handful of water with a, a few phrases of words and pull you away from the devil forever so you get to live in heaven. He can take a little bit of bread and wine, just tiny little bits of bread and wine, and use his words to put his body and blood into that for you to know that your sins are forgiven and to keep you further away from the devil. Think how little it really takes for the Son of God in his kingdom to protect you and to keep you so that you can ultimately live with him forever in the paradise above. As Luther says, for us fights the valiant one whom God himself elected. We don't have a weak warrior on our side. You have the Son of God, the Son of God on your side. The very one who rose from the dead, the one who sits now enthroned in glory, the one who called everything into existence, who is all-powerful and almighty. He's the one that is on your side. Notice that in our text, Jesus did this whole temptation intentionally. It says, then immediately Jesus was led away to be tempted by the devil. The devil didn't have to come and pull him into the temptation. Jesus goes right into it, right after his baptism. And as the author of Hebrews says, he shared in our humanity, Jesus shared in, in our being a human being, so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death. That is the devil. And so just like some nations celebrate the end of a war uh, every year at an annual event, Christians decide, let's do this every week. Every Sunday, let's make it the victory day over the devil. Let's make it a victory over all the type of temptations that come at us when we go to church on Sundays. Your faith connects you to this strong and powerful Savior. And what does he use to get rid of the devil? His own word. And Paul says he has now taken that sword of the Spirit, the word of God, and hands that to you and me and gives it to us. They claim that during the Middle Ages, when Christian soldiers would take the wooden handle on their sword to go into battle, knowing that they could possibly die, that they would carve a cross into the wooden handle of their sword as a reminder to them of what they possess in Christ and in his word. Take up the sword of the Spirit that God has blessed you. Even the Son of God can use it to defeat this wicked foe. Amen.